Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Bros Podcast. We are Two Bros. This is the Two Bros Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm joined again by Big Brother as always. Big Brother, hello to you, sir. And a very good evening to you as well, sir. So we're going to talk about the game week that just happened. A lot of uh, interesting results, a lot of big events. But most notably, brother, the return of fans to stadiums finally happening. I mean, some semblance of normalcy returning uh, to our lives and uh, to this terrible year that we've had. Well, if you go around uh, the cities that you and I live in, uh, it would seem that normalcy has appeared uh, way before it did <laughs> in the in the stadiums but uh, that's a topic for another day so yeah i mean addition of fans is a welcome sign well of course and uh, going from one extreme where fans did actually return to stadiums to the other extreme where newcastle had to shut shop because of a covid outbreak so newcastle will not uh, well did not play a game i don't know about the next game week yet they haven't released any information so that uh, early game on Friday was called off between uh, Aston Villa and uh, Newcastle. That didn't happen. So for I think for the foreseeable future, I mean, for the next at least for the next two weeks, maybe uh, it's a big question mark. So if you have Callum Wilson in your team in your fantasy Premier League team, you might want to get rid of him. Uh, if you have the likes of uh, John Joe Shelby, first ask yourself why you have John Joe Shelby and then get rid of him. But do get rid of your Newcastle assets and of course look out for the teams they're playing. I mean, this is. Uh, a time uh, to have a fully functional squad where you can mix and match and put people on the bench and know that your bench is available to play because, well, it, it might be a while. So, yeah, there's that. Now let's get started with the games on Saturday. Now, Burnley against uh, Everton and Everton again in free fall now with the full squad. I mean, missing uh, Luca Dean and uh, Seamus Coleman, but still, I mean, the front just don't seem to fire anymore. Well, Burnley away is a tough place to go to and better teams than Everton have struggled. Having said that, you know, much was expected of them, uh, especially given the start they made. But I think once again, as Everton do, they're flattered to deceive and they're back to their old ways. Uh, They looked uh, a little sluggish against Burnley and uh, I think the match was fair value at a draw. I mean, a lot of Everton assets available for uh, you know popular picks as uh, for fantasy Premier League managers. Uh, Calvert Lewin finally on the score sheet. James Rodriguez. I mean, I saw this game. James Rodriguez was let's say unlucky to maybe not get an assist or a goal. I mean, some excellent saves from uh, Pope. And uh, well, but say what you want, the man still hasn't given uh, any returns for the next for the last uh, seven game weeks. So I have dropped him for the next game week. Uh, what about you? You still holding on to any Everton assets? Well, I'm ahead of you there, bro. I dropped Rodriguez for this past week as well. And uh, looks like he was good riddance. And who did you bring in in place of him? Well, I brought in a certain Bruno Fernandes. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. what an in, inspired uh, uh, substitution that turned out to be. We'll come to that. Next game was uh, Man City versus Fulham now. You would expect Man City to completely annihilate a team like Fulham given their form... And uh, given the resurgence of form of Man City, and this was a game at Etihad, a very tame 2-0. You know, this is not uh, the kind of scoreline we have come to uh, you know expect from uh, this uh, uh, Pep Guardiola's Man City. But still, uh, three points nonetheless. Well, it goes to show that there are no easy games. And yes, you'll get the occasional 4-0 or 5-0, but that's going to be a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a game a lot of uh, FPL managers would have eyed and said, let me bring in Man City players. And like them, 
I also brought in uh, a player, and uh, for me, the pick was Riyad Mahrez, mm-hmm. uh, given how he had performed in the previous game. Now, um, maybe in hindsight, that was being too greedy of me. Maybe I should have gone with a safer pick in the Bruyne. I had the money available for the Bruyne, but uh, yeah, I've been left high and dry. So Mahrez. Uh, has got me all of two points mm-hmm. and I stand corrected actually I had moved on Rodriguez and brought in Mahrez not okay. Bruno Fernandes Bruno Fernandes I picked the last last week mm-hmm. but yeah it was an unhappy outing for me because I lost four points on this transfer mm-hmm. and uh, I should have picked the Bruyne well, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of FPL managers are looking to boost their squads with uh, Man City. I mean, a lot of favorable lineups coming up, favorable matches coming up. I mean, uh, they play uh, Manchester United. It's the Manchester Derby this uh, coming Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. But uh, post that, they are quite on a quite a you know reasonably uh, lined of uh, fixture uh, schedule, so to speak. You know, they've got. They've got West Brom, they've got Southampton, they've got Newcastle, they've got, uh, well, I mean, for the next two, three games, at least, they should be uh, firing and getting all three points and getting on the score sheet a lot. Now, uh, let's move on to the game, which uh, is, you know, a lot of talking points here, because it's two very different, again, I mean, this is a sentence said uh, ad nauseum by so many managers, so many fans, so many pundits, two very different Manchester United's turned up in either half uh, losing terribly 1-0 uh, down to West Ham at West Ham. Uh, the pro- Possibly the worst kind of football they've played all season in the first half. And secondly, in the, in the second half, with the introduction of uh, Fernandez and uh, uh, Rashford, completely turning the game on, their, on its head. Yeah, I mean, uh, this match can be summed up in two words. Uh, Bruno Fernandez. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moment he came on, Man United were a different side. I could see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first half uh, was laborious, slow, sideways passing. And all of a sudden, with Bruno Fernandes, you've got that incisive pass. You've got the guy who's looking to receive the ball, run with it, pass it on. And uh, there were a couple of uh, passes he set up for Rashford that were just a joy to behold. Mm-hmm. They reminded me of, you know, Mesut Ozil in his heydays. You know, how... Neatly, you bisect the space between two defenders is your mark uh, of how great a creative midfielder you can be. And Bruno Fernandes right now, on current form for the last 12 months since he's signed on, he's been absolute gold. Well, no argument there at all. I mean, he is so instrumental. I mean, there are talks of, uh, you know, talking about players who have made the most impact since they've come on. And, you know, his name is mentioned with the, with the likes of uh, Eric Cantona back in 95-94. Uh, a great inspired signing. And I'm glad that we've got a player like him who is so dedicated and he wants to play. He wants to get on the ball. He wants to score goals. And finally, I mean, I see a lineup of players at you know, wearing a United shirt who really want to play, right? Uh the likes of Alex Telles, I mean, he's only got one assist till now, but the way he delivers that ball, that whip that he's got, amazing. The, the killer instinct from Edinson Cavani, the drive from, uh, let's say, Fred maybe to win the ball in the midfield. I mean, fine, he's a bit reckless sometimes. And even Donny van de Beek, he's got that inside, he's got that foresight, he's got that pass in him that can split uh, defenses wide open. He played a lot for further up for, for Ajax, but he's playing in a more defensive kind of a role for uh, United. I'm really happy to see these players have uh, turned out. Rashford, for instance, has always been 
uh, you know, of a proper signing for United. I mean, not a signing, a proper academy graduate for for United. What a guy! But now the United find themselves a bit troubled. They head to uh, Leipzig on on Tuesday. We will talk about it. But they are without uh, the likes of uh, Edinson Cavani and Martial, both pulling up with injuries during this game. I don't know what's going to happen there. Remains to be seen tonight. Let's see what happens. And uh, yeah, moving on to the next game. It was the return of uh, Patrick Bamford to his former club Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. He did get off the mark. He scored in the first uh, couple of minutes. But Chelsea again uh, showing what they're made of. You know, and Chelsea now have done something that uh, Liverpool and Arsenal and uh, you know the bigger clubs have got wrong against Leeds. These guys, they didn't give Leeds any space whatsoever. They let them have the ball, but they stayed defensively solid. And as a result, Leeds uh, barely had, what, three shots on target, even though they had the better possession. Thing is that uh, I'm very impressed with uh, Lampard and how he's marshalling his resources. Now, Olivier Giroud, he scored a hat-trick in the middle of the game week and he was rewarded with a start here. Mm-hmm. And Kurt Zuma and their their entire backline actually just seems revamped with the signing of uh, Ben Chilwell. And all of a sudden, Zuma is the highest-rated defender. He's getting clean sheets and he's scoring for fun. Yeah. And uh, you got the injury time winner. Uh, you got the injury time goal by Christian Pulisic, who was not signed in this transfer window. So there's more to Chelsea than meets the eye. You know, um, Chelsea are an interesting team to sort of keep an eye out for because uh, these guys could end up being the most uh, worthy challengers to Liverpool this season. Yeah, fair point. I mean, I was looking at the Fantasy Premier League table uh, earlier today and the top three scoring defenders are uh, Zuma, Chilwell and Reese James and all three of them on the Chelsea back line. I mean, rightly said, uh, keeping their clean sheets and getting in on those goals. Frank Lampard clearly doing something right there. And uh, well, good luck to them and they find themselves third in the Premier League table as the, as the game week ends. Moving on to the next game uh, and the reason I want to talk about this game is purely because of uh, Jamie Wardy's uh, celebration when he scored that 90th minute winner. Did you see this, bro? Yes, I did. And he's <laughs> got a knack of sliding in and taking out corner flags. This time, of course, he, he broke smashed it into it. two. That is amazing. But uh, this guy is... Uh, I mean, there's, it's hard not to like him. This guy's an old-fashioned bruiser, plays with his heart. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a Wayne Rooney 2.0. Yeah, I mean he's faster definitely, and what a what just <laughs> just a, he's a through ball. He's got the defender on his wrong side. He runs across because if the defender touches him, he goes down. The defender gets a red card. End of story for him. He runs past him, gets in a better position, and then slots it across the keeper. Job well done, proper central striker that, and that celebration sliding in for God knows how long, and then smashing the corner flag and getting a yellow card. I mean that was a bit surprising. Why would he get a yellow card for smashing the corner flag? But anyway, you can't I mean, go around damaging properties. Well, you? <laughs> it wasn't intense, but lovely. It's amazing to watch. If you haven't already seen it, go watch it on YouTube. It's an amazing uh, the way he's destroyed that corner flag. You freely, I mean, it was amazing to watch. Now, uh, moving on to the uh, to the match, you probably uh, don't want to talk about brother the uh, Spurs versus Arsenal London derby. Tell us, tell us what happened down there. Well, au contraire, I do want to uh, oh, talk okay. about this particular right. match, and mm-hmm. I want to talk about it at length. Go for it. The thing is, uh, much has been written already. And uh, the thing is, 
you know mikel arteta he got done to him what he did to pep in the fa cup semi final mm-hmm. all right he can have no qualms about this a counter attacking side set up to counter attack arsenal and they did to arsenal what arsenal have been doing to the bigger teams in fa cup etc and uh, you know it's it's fair game to tottenham i mean uh, they they were very compact they you know they 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 denied arsenal space down the middle so arsenal were putting in crosses after crosses and you know arteta's post match interview is a little disappointing to me mm-hmm. uh, he said that the mathematics of it is that you put enough crosses in the box you will score i don't see it mm-hmm. you will score if you put in crosses in the box if you have a striker set up to score those crosses somebody yeah. like a christian benteke mm-hmm. or a olivier giroud or even a nicholas bentner who was a rubbish footballer but his strength in the air was undisputed mm-hmm. even a marwan chamak who was you know brought in as plan b you know uh, yes a striker but also aerial ability Aubameyang is known for his aerial ability. Lacazette is not even the biggest striker in the top, you know, how many leagues of Europe. So, who are those crosses going in for? Are you going to be able to beat those? Uh, are you going to be able to beat Alderweireld and uh, Eric Dier on in the air? I don't think so. Not with the center line of Aubameyang supported by Lacazette. Mm-hmm. So then, who are those crosses coming in for? That's the question. And you know. Thomas Partey was a doubt before the game. I think he was rushed in. Mikel Arteta must have looked at his midfield options and realized that listen, I've got nobody better than this guy. Let me risk him. If I get in, if I nick a victory, it can turn this whole team around. Unfortunately, we've lost him. We've lost the match. Mm-hmm. We've lost our face. And now we are looking at a December wherein we are going to be very realistically in the bottom half of the table come New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Is that where any Arsenal fan wanted to be? No. Is that where any Arsenal board member wanted Arsenal to be? No. Point is, if Mikel Arteta wins his next game, he would have fewer points than Unai Emery did when he was sacked. Mm-hmm. And this bears the question that if you've given the guy the same squad as you did his predecessor, and you've allowed him to sign players in transfer windows which he has signed, uh, Pablo Mari was brought in. he got injured but he was you know signed even though he was injured he had played all of 22 minutes mm-hmm. he was still signed without having seen much of it cedric suarez was given a contract despite not having played in the national shirt now he can't even replace hector bellerin if bellerin is uh, you know having a poor game down the right this guy turns to who reese nelson or to somebody like a Ainsley Maitland Niles. So if Cedric Suarez is not great to be in front of these two, why was he signed? And you know, match after match, the clamor for Mesut Ozil is only going to grow. Yeah. This is an albatross around Arteta's neck, and either he used to like publicly come on, uh, you know, on record and say that they made a mistake. or that ozil did or said something that was unforgivable unpardonable and you know let people know that why is he not playing so it's it's shambolic at arsenal we never looked like scoring against tottenham it was maybe one half chance for bamiang and uh, you know harry kane and neuven son what devastating players these are yeah these completely these guys are 
absolute gold standard footballers completely agree with you there and i remember this was uh, this sentiment was uh, resonated by david moyes when he was in charge of united uh there was a game i think it was against west ham where we had 71 crosses uh into the opponent box i remember ashley young from one side and valencia from the other side and i think it was like 80% of those crosses never reached a united player at all and we had marwan falaini in our, in that team but still you know and finally we got that last minute uh, equalizer but 71 crosses that's basically you know uh, hoping for the best and just bringing it in and hoping somebody gets on to it but if you don't have uh, like you said the players who can get you know latch on to that header and get a get a get a get a goal or even the quality of the ball that's coming in you know you you either fail to clear the first defender or you've basically crossed everybody else and that's what i like in a player like alex alex telles he gets that whip on the ball so you can do something with it even though you're not you have a striker who's not known for his uh, heading capabilities and yeah i mean uh, the way son and kane have linked up this season i mean it's 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 amazing and another point uh, you know what needs to be said about uh, jose mourinho he's really uh, you know done his uh, homework in these cases and he's you know it reminds me of uh, the old chelsea where he used to have these two enforcers in the middle of the in the middle of the pitch in in michael essien and john obi mikel and they used to boss the midfield and not let anybody uh, you know create or create chances or do the thing he's got that in uh, hoybier and uh, musa sissoko now no they really have changed the game and lot of pundits lot of uh, managers they have uh, you know given their uh, praise to these two players for really influencing uh, matches in in the favor of spurs i mean obviously kane and son they do their do their thing but uh, yeah pnmic hobby hoybier and uh, sissoko doing their business as well so mourinho in his post match comments uh, congratulated mikel arteta for giving them a tough match mm-hmm. Now let's we've seen Mourinho for what the better part of a decade now more than that I would say yeah yeah when have you known Mourinho to be benevolent in his post match conferences only when his teams have bossed the game yeah when it's been a close match or his teams have lost he's been spiteful he's been deflecting he has blamed players referees technology rules everything mm. so if he's being benevolent to you it means that your team was never in the game yeah. they were never on the pitch they never even had anything not not a semblance of an opportunity and that's why a guy like mourinho who's snarky is giving you a benevolent post match comment that is a damning assessment of where arsenal are Mm-hmm. you know and that to me hurts more we were not even on the same level as tottenham hotspur mm-hmm. a team that we used to own with the worst of the squads under arsene wenger and when tottenham were signing superstars like van der waart if you remember yeah you know there was a time when tottenham's uh, most uh, high profile signings used to eclipse arsenal but we were still finishing above them mm-hmm. now we arguably have the superstars but they are fin- they are going to finish above us i have no doubt whatsoever that this season is going to be the fourth season running that uh, they finish above us but bro that's the very nature of the premier league i mean 12 years ago man city were a mid table team you know fighting against uh, i don't know the likes of villa and west brom for relegation but now they're world beaters so times have definitely changed i mean with 
money thrown in and managers here and there and finally something clicking in in the favor of spurs and now they've backed a manager they've given him the signings that he wanted they've stuck to his game plan they've believed in him and now uh, the results are showing whereas arsenal are in some sort of a, a transitional period where let's say united are because we also haven't uh, you know completely backed down on a manager that we are going to stick with him and give him whatever he wants we have gone and changed our, i don't know three managers in the last 8 years and spurs have had pochettino who got him so far up he, they they were in the champions league final Now imagine a, a team like spurs even with the likes of modric vandewart and bale in their side would have never reached the champions league they would have qualifying for the champions league was a big deal back then for spurs i remember but now pochettino has brought him that far they obviously got rid of him and now jose mourinho has taken the reins of a squad which is uh, doing basically everything correct so the the other uh, clear assessment is that mourinho thrives when he is given a squad like this mm-hmm. you know players who look up to him and are so deferential that they will buy into his system outright yeah but you know squads that are not so star studded that when mourinho wants to double down on them or ask them to go the extra yard or do something that is you know not uh you know let's say their role mm-hmm. that the stars can turn around and pick a fight with him you know this is where he's at his best where his system is bought into completely by the players this is why he was so successful with porto and chelsea and not so much with real madrid mm-hmm. or even man united yeah this squad i will not be surprised if they go on to finish in the top 2 of the premier league this season and let me also make a prediction the tottenham liverpool game mm-hmm. is going to be a clear cut indication of which team is going to finish where this season well remains to be seen uh yeah moving on then uh, to liverpool and uh, clear winners 4-0 against wolves on days happy days back in liverpool i mean they've brushed aside their little setbacks that they've had they are joint uh, top on the premier league with uh, spurs spurs obviously ahead in terms of goal difference now as a as a fantasy premier league manager this was kind of expected there was uh, an expected demolition of wolves but i had made uh, diogo jota as my captain but he obviously came off the bench in the 76th minute and he got me all of one point now tell me something i mean i'm i i i understand if you want to play with the set front three of mane firmino and sala but at what point do you realize that you know firmino doesn't really bring much to the table anymore he's played 11 matches he's got two goals and two assists Now we all know what Salah can do. We all know what Mane can do. We've seen what Diego Jota can do. How long do you hold on to your misfiring uh, striker and you know replace him with somebody like Jota, who's proved that he's uh, a lot more capable in front of goal? Um, you know what? This is a question that has been asked a lot mm-hmm. over the last few years, and Roberto Firmino is the perfect foil to Mane and Salah. Without Firmino, the two of them. don't play you know nearly half as well as they do with him he's the missing link he's the guy i don't know what exactly is he doing because i'm not a liverpool fan i don't watch too many of their games mm-hmm. but clearly he's making some sort of decoy runs maybe he's you know dropping deep and allowing the other two to move in a pincer movement onto the flanks maybe it's that mm-hmm. if you have a guy in your squad who is enabling two of your superstars to shine you will keep him yeah i don't think roberto firmino is you know he needs to chip in with 20 goals mm-hmm. as long as he makes sala and mane 
chip in with 20 goals apiece. I would happily keep a guy in my squad if, uh, you know, he'd be playing that role. And I don't think Liverpool are the poorer for it. Uh, yes, they can play Jota, but there's a reason for me no plays. Well, fair assessment there. Maybe we can bring in a Liverpool fan at some point on the podcast to shed some light and give them their perspective of what they think of uh, the way uh, Klopp lines up uh, Firmino. Because on most occasions, Firmino, I find him uh, sitting a bit further back, maybe at the, at the edge of the penalty area and uh, Mane and Salah making those runs ahead of him. So maybe you're right. Maybe he is uh, acting like a decoy for those uh, central defenders. Remains to be seen. Now, the last game of the game week was uh, last night or earlier this night, I would say. Brighton and Southampton. Now, Southampton, big news for them. Their uh, talisman striker Danny Ings is back. And my main man, Yannick Vestergaard, again on the score sheet. Well, what is up with this chap? He's been scoring pretty much every single game. Amazing returns for as an FPL uh, manager. And I've had him for I don't know how many weeks. He's not disappointed me once. Well, this one's a good pick. Gotta hand it to you. Uh, this guy is, again, one of those, uh, you know, dream picks from a fantasy Premier League mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, how impressed are you with, Tot- with Southampton? I mean, uh, Theo Walcott left Arsenal for Everton. Arsenal are 15th, Everton are 9th. Yeah. He then got loaned from uh, by Everton to Southampton, who are 5th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Can I mean, Theo Walcott potentially end up at Liverpool and win the title? <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> well, I mean, historically, Arsenal players have left Arsenal to win trophies elsewhere. I mean, a certain Robin Van Persie. Oh, you did not say that. <laughs> well, I don't know. It was there for the taking. But, I mean, think of it. You, you think of Nasri. You think of uh, Fabregas. You think of Van Persie. Who else is there who left Arsenal and won trophies? Theory Henry, maybe. Adabayor. Henry no, won plenty of trophies with Arsenal. Okay. But Adabayor did. Adabayor as well, I think. And yeah, I mean, historically, well, I mean, I hate to say this, but uh, yeah, well, it is what it is. Theo Walcott basically a changed man with his new hairstyle. I quite, I quite like it that he's still uh, up, up and kicking. He's kind of, he's in this, I think he's in the right team. You know, it suits him. It suits his style. You know, I would, I would have expected Wayne Rooney to maybe end up in a club like uh, Southampton. I mean, obviously, he went down to Everton where it didn't quite work out uh, for him, and then he became a player slash manager for Derby. I would, I really think Wayne Rooney still got it, but uh, yeah, Theo Walcott uh, still starting his stuff. I mean, kudos to him, and you know, he's still uh, impressive with his speed. He still got it. Now, moving on to the last day of the Champions League group stages. Now, how interesting is this? I mean, obviously, some clubs have qualified. Uh, Barcelona and Juventus, for instance. Liverpool also have qualified, I think. So, I want to talk about Group B, uh, yeah. where Munchen, Gladbach, Shakhtar and Real Madrid, Inter Milan, all four of them are in with a chance to qualify. Now, this is a group that had, should have been the group of death and I think it's turned out to be as big as the prediction itself. Mm-hmm. Now, the last day matches are... Madrid playing Munchen Gladbach and Inter Milan playing Shakhtar. So, on paper, you would maybe favour those two. But Shakhtar have been the surprise package, haven't they? Yeah. Have they beaten Madrid twice or maybe once and drawn the other, potentially? And Munchen Gladbach are top of this table. They have scored 16 goals yeah. and only been scored 7 against. 
So really surprising the way this group has turned out. Some very very interesting uh, things. I mean, this I I can't remember the last time it it you know went down to the last day for such massive uh, question marks to be answered. And another question mark which we have is this might be the last time we see Messi face off with Ronaldo tonight. Barca playing Juventus. We never know if that might happen again. I mean, both of them are let's say in their advanced uh, stages of their careers. They are all both in different leagues now, different countries now. who knows when they might uh, square off on a, again you know this might be the last messi versus ronaldo we see for a while well i have a feeling that we will see a messi versus ronaldo next year as well mm-hmm. messi would be in a new team and possibly ronaldo as well so i don't quite think this is the end of their rivalry but uh, tonight promises to be good fun uh, considering both of them have qualified i don't know if messi or ronaldo will be risked you know that is the other question i mean it's a dead rubber because both these sides are through mm-hmm. unless juventus want to give barcelona a run to you know maybe finish in the top spot i don't see why juventus would risk ronaldo or barcelona would risk messi well fair assessment but uh, again remains to be seen now two games where i will have my eyes on is on is both these games are in group h where man united psg and leipzig find themselves on 9 points now one of them is going to drop off to the europa league and live a miserable existence for the rest of the year the other two carry on forward and see what happens with them psg playing uh, istanbul besiktas here now tell you i'll tell you what besiktas here really made life difficult for uh, leipzig i mean they have New boys formed in 2014. They have a lot of a ton of uh, former Premier League stars in them. Apparently, Nasser Shadley still plays there. I mean, imagine, right? They have impressed. They have uh, you know done uh, the deed. They did uh, get a good result against United, which has obviously put us in this predicament. And it's boiled down to this. It's come down to the last day. PSG playing Besiktas here, and United away to Leipzig. What's going to happen here, bro? So I would back United here. I would go for a scoring draw, which puts United through. I'm mm-hmm. looking at the goal differences, and United have a, a far superior goal difference to Leipzig. And you know, Leipzig will be under that much uh, extra pressure to uh, win it, whereas a draw is enough for United. I would say that uh, playing away suits United. They will set up to defend and play on the counter attack. Uh, that man Bruno Fernandez always has got a goal in him, whether through a goal, a penalty, or an assist. So Leipzig will actually have to score twice or thrice, and mm-hmm. I don't see them doing that away. Uh, you know, when when Man United are set up to defend. Uh, having said that, this game could uh, very well be decided through one or two incidents. You know, it could be uh, either a controversial call, a VAR call, or it could be a red card or a penalty incident. that decides this game for us uh prima facie i think united and psg will go through well fair assessment because at the moment leipzig find themselves third with a negative two goal difference i mean if it goes if it's a draw leipzig head off to the europa league so they will have to come out they will have to come out and play and uh, like you said we've seen united uh, you know with their devastating counter attack again without the likes of uh, cavani and marcial a bit crippled there So yeah, very interesting fixture. It happens. Uh, it play you know features in India at one thirty tonight, and uh, some other fixtures. If you're interested, uh, Chelsea play Krasnodar, and and pretty much nothing else really. But let's hope that at least one of our teams stays in the Champions League, bro. 
or else we'll have to start doing Europa League reviews in our podcast. Well, uh, it's always interesting if you and I uh, do the Europa League season and we end up facing each other in the final. Maybe we can do a live podcast from the stadium then. <laughs> well, let's hope that dream never happens. I would, but you know what? I was we were having this conversation earlier. Like we are fighting to qualify for the last sixteen, but United are nowhere near the likes of uh, Bayern München or Barcelona or Juventus. What's the point of qualifying from a group stage and then just completely getting ruined and owned and getting humiliated on an international stage by one of these uh, super giants? What's the point? So I believe I'm well placed to answer that question. Okay. Arsenal qualified for 16 successive years. Each year they qualified for the Champions League. Every time they qualified past the group stages. Now some of those years, the early years especially, they made it to the semis, even to the final ones. But uh, towards the latter years of Wenger's tenure, it was often you know us going out at the last sixteen or the quarters, mm-hmm. and then of course you had those infamous humblings by Bayern Munich those two successive years. Yeah, I would still qualify from the group stages to give my fans something to get excited about. Knockout stages can be magical, and that's the stuff clubs are built on. Mm-hmm. If You know, Liverpool hadn't turned around the knockout final, uh, the the Champions League final. They wouldn't be half the club they are today. Now, those are the stories you want to tell. If Arsenal hadn't beaten Barcelona and gotten within two minutes of knocking Barcelona out, Arsenal wouldn't have been Arsenal. So you never want to lose that opportunity, and you want to give the fans something to be excited about. I would say go through the group stages. You know, take a punt. Uh, maybe buy a player or two in the January transfer window and see where that takes you. I remember when I used, when I was in college, we used to watch uh, those late night Champions League games, uh, staying up at night. And genuinely, United were contenders not only to just qualify and you know end up uh, you know toppers of the table, but to actually go further up the the league. You know, end up in the quarters, the semis, the finals. Maybe I've seen those uh, two finals, those two consecutive finals. One that we won against Chelsea, and the other one where we were humbled by a certain Leo Messi. I'm going to shudder to remember that uh, devastation that we suffered. But man, how the mighty have fallen, and now we are we find ourselves uh, questioning what we can even accomplish if we clear uh, the group stages. I mean, really, it's a sad state of affairs. Hopefully, that changes in the next uh, coming few years. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's move on to the next game week that's happening. Some very interesting fixtures uh, brought the small matter of the Manchester derby at Old Trafford. Well, this one's got a City win written all over it. No, you did not. Uh, City are on the way <laughs> up. They are, uh, you know, finding their feet again. United, I think, uh, Cavani and Martial are going to be a big mess. Mm-hmm. See, you're going to have to give it your all. Yeah, you're going to come under the cosh, you know, a, a fair bit tonight and tomorrow against Leipzig, and to come back and play a derby like this on a Saturday night, it'll be a step too far, you know. Bruno Fernandez, if the man pulls you through both of these matches, I will doff my hat to him. Mm-hmm. But I think you'll make it tonight, but fall short on Saturday. Well, a fair assessment. And United and City, after their abysmal start of the season, find themselves. Sixth and seventh, United on nineteen points, City on eighteen points, both with a game in hand, potentially taking them to the top, uh, top four maybe. 
and uh, talking we were talking about semblance of normalcy uh, earlier in the podcast assuming that united and city win their game in hand which is against i think united's game is against burnley and city's game is against aston villa the top 6 then will be the same top 6 that finished in the top 6 last season obviously in a different order but pretty much the the early risers everton west ham uh, wolves everyone seems to have like let's say tapered off a bit and the uh, normalcy returning back to the premier league yeah yeah that's that's a good point there you know uh out with the new and in with the old as they <laughs> say uh having said that there is a match that uh, there are two matches that i'd like to keep my eyes out for uh the first one's everton home at uh, goodison park against chelsea mm-hmm. this one might be you know one of the early test of how far chelsea can go if they're able to overcome everton at home uh, definitely on the up for them everton back to full strength they will be keen to getting back to winning ways they've dropped a fair few points and they'll be keen to get back now they'll have a fully fit squad to choose from and i can see them giving chelsea some troubles mm-hmm. the second match that i have my eyes on is crystal palace versus tottenham this is a london derby and crystal palace are a team that is very mercurial mm-hmm. and with the zaha and benteke playing you know in in cahoots there's no saying on really how uh, you know well they could do not tottenham they found it easy to sit back against arsenal and arsenal is a team that tends to play but if crystal palace sit back then tottenham will stand to be exposed by the pace of zaha mm-hmm. so this one really is a tricky game of course mourinho has the edge because he's a master tactician But this one's a game to watch out. All right, so very good points there. Now, mind you, this game week uh, ends on Sunday night or Monday morning for our Indian listeners, and the Premier League continues all through the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kick off, and then again Saturday uh, and Sunday. So potentially a double game week for our fantasy Premier League. We still don't know. I, I'm still not sure if it's a double game week, but chances are it is. So this might be a very good time to play your free hit or. uh maybe your uh, triple captain if you have a player with favorable fixtures on on two occasions but uh yeah remains to be seen what happens some very interesting days ahead uh, champions league starts in a few hours in india and uh, pretty much everywhere else but uh yeah a lot of games still a uh, lot of teams lot of tables still up in the air no idea what's going to happen some big upsets uh, potentially for maybe the the table the team uh, the table uh, sorry the group where uh, real madrid and inter milan play or the one where psg leipzig and uh, manchester united find themselves in who knows what's going to happen who knows what's going to happen next game week who knows this? nobody knows anything what we do know is this is the end of the podcast brother thank you so much for joining us thank you a pleasure as always all right see you next time see you